<clears throat> All right. Hold on. Let's get this. Uh, Diet Coke at. Oh, I guess it's 10 a.m. your time. It's 10 15. It's almost lunch. How many Diet Cokes have you had so far today? I have one a day. Mm, are you sure? One crispy, <laughs> one crispy DC a day. <laughs> I don't drink a lot of coffee. Yeah, I, I just started making this Nespresso iced coffee, but <gasps> I switched to tea because I was going more and more and more caffeine and later and later and later in the day, and it was screwed out my sleep. Okay. Uh, I got a couple things in this episode, but I did wanted to see uh, how things are going on your end, mainly because you seem to be very busy. And is, like, I was just curious, is that your end? Was that Black Friday? Do you do Black Friday? We do Black Questions. Friday. We do Black Friday. Um, yeah, fourth quarter is where we make our money. Like October, November, December is where we shine. And the biggest difference this year is um, on the Greek brands that we manage. So eight national fraternity brands. We put all of that stuff into inventory in a 3PL and so that they can do the fulfillment. So we're just having different types of breaks this year um, where then we're doing all of our NIL stuff on demand, which is busier than last year when it came to the Greek D2C. But what's funny is I had a meeting with my production team and I said, what are the liabilities and what are what are our strengths? And they're like, Printavo online stores, we can do them in our sleep. B2B orders, we can do them in our sleep. And that was pretty cool to hear, to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, that doesn't stress us out anymore. It's just like new challenges that stress us out. Um, what, yeah, was their, it, what was their number one stressor? DTF, on-demand, um, fulfillment for collegiately licensed apparel. We are <laughs> customizing every player's shirt. So at Purdue, we have 120 players times seven products. Seven sizes, 7,000 SKUs for one school. <laughs> it's tough. What about the Black Friday? So do, do, do you run the deals off of inventory that's sitting or nope, everything's no still on because demand. it's already paid for? Or Well, we carry blank inventory. So what we do is we carry um, blank inventory that we use across all of our different stores. So for instance, we use a, you know, uh, athletic Heather sport gray hoodie. That's, that gets used everywhere. Now it gets used on all the different Shopify. So anyone can order it and then we decorate it as it needs be. The problem with the sports specific stuff is like, we don't know how many people are going to order the last name Ackerman on the back of a shirt. So we carry a transfer for every athlete. Um, and so if this launches after the DTF episode, you understand why this has been a tough, tough couple of months. <laughs> we just, yeah. it's not, it's cost prohibitive to order a, a transfer for every player. Just doesn't make sense. So we are trying to do it on demand. It's hard. Do you participate in Black Friday? Yeah. Heck yeah. We run, we run e-commerce brands. Every business should try uh, okay. to do Black Friday stuff. So what stuff. kind of deals were you doing? Um, we were just doing a lot of like kits or so, so, so this is what you kind of have to think about. Um, black Friday, it's actually the the easiest, it's the way to get to acquire new customers. That's how you have to think about black Friday. It's like, it's all about customer acquisition that day of how wide can you cast a net that you can just grab as many possible people as in, into your doors as possible. And so, you know, you're basically lowering, you're hiring your acquisition cost, right, by providing tons of discounts. And they might be like, you might be selling a shirt you normally sell for 20 bucks and, and doing it for half off. You're just, you're just opening your doors to more people that day. 
we just run a lot of like 20% off or get a free t-shirt when you buy this or free shipping above $100. It's really just an opportunity to acquire as many new customers as possible. Basically, we run pre-Black Friday deals. There's a um, Facebook group called like Unofficial Shopify and they go through like how like all the different playbooks and emails you should send. Mm. We did something like $200,000 from Sunday to Monday across our channels. So like it was a pretty, pretty big week for us at Campus Inc. Do you do anything on the wholesale side? So we tried a couple times. Um, no. No. That's fair. Um, one, one year we tried to do like uh, you could buy a $1,000 gift card for $800. And then all of my like returning customers like played a loophole and bought them. And so I ended up just giving out <laughs> discounts for orders that they were going to put in. <laughs> Does that make sense? Bruce yeah. is like, oh, it's, it's, it's like if you shop at United Airlines all the time and they're just like, yeah, we'll get you $1,000 of flight credit for 500 bucks. You're like, you no know, brainer. Yeah. And so I used to I, do that for um, restaurants that I go to all the time. It's like, I'm going anyway, but, uh, yeah, for sure. Like I'll take 10, 20% off yeah, <laughs> and so, stock up, give you cash. So, uh, shot myself in the foot there, but I mean, if you listen to like five boys apparel and that podcast, which was ridiculously awesome, by the way, I'm so sad I missed it. Mm. Um, that's where, if you're good, you can start to do those things that day. Right. Yeah. What's your experience yeah. like in the industry, Bruce, of seeing B2B black Friday? I mean, it's so unique. Like, I feel like from our perspective, we don't really see much, right? Because it's just like your wholesale side, and that's really our focus. I mean, e-com side for sure. There's there's definitely a bit of a bump, but I I still think that the the majority of the stores, at least that we run, are a lot more temporary stores anyway. So it's not like long running type stores that maybe folks do on Inksoft or Shopify, um, where Black Friday plays more into it, but um, folks that are running a brand as well, I'm assuming are, you know, heavily playing into that. But it is interesting that you talk about it being more of acquisition cost, uh, than just trying to get rid of inventory, but yeah. Or, or liquidating inventory, like last dollar income. You know, if you've got something printed on your shelf, you want to get rid of it. Um, you know, yeah. I, I don't um, know. I, maybe we need to dig in and, and meet some people that really go crazy for black Friday. If you're, if you're good at black Friday and you run crazy black Friday campaigns for some of your brands, hit us up. Yeah. I'd be, cur- I'd be curious to learn. You know what? I, I was actually spending a lot of time going through, um, a lot of content related, uh, like articles. And I was thinking it would be fun to dive into the educational side of this a little bit more, um, as well as the podcast. So for example, uh, what are example layouts for different shops based on different configurations? Like, could we have a really cool library that, that you can just page through and just copy and paste and download and customize yourself? Um, what are the, like when you saw that I, I sent the text to Alex at easy way, I said, when mathematically should you buy an auto reclaim? Like what is the formula for you to figure out? Can, can we dive into that and go deeper? So, I don't know. I, I actually took like a half hour yesterday. I was just, you know, rethinking about stuff that may be super valuable to to help people see around the corner. Speaking of which, should we should we talk about our sponsors? Let's do it. 
We've got four awesome sponsors. If you ever guys are looking for one of these services, please check them out. And then we're going to get right back to the show. But first up, Supercolor. If you think about this, how can you do high color designs, gradients, or hard to print locations, and a bunch more? Supercolor has a really cool new guide to be able to help you with this using heat transfers. And I've seen this at so many shops now um, with with sleeve prints, with inside labeling, um, with front and back prints too. Uh, we've talked about it a lot here on the show. But check it out, supercolor.com slash print hustlers, or the link is in the description. Download this PDF. It's really, really powerful. It's got types of transfers. It's got how to price. It's got what to buy and look for in a quality heat press. That is all from Supercolor. And then don't forget, Printavo 15. That gets you 15% off your first order at Supercolor. All right. Sweet. Bruce, have you heard of Multicraft underscore daddy? No. Tell me more. Um, well, if you want to meet Dave Eggers and you need ink supplies or a daddy, Multicraft Screen Printing and Digital Supplies for over 50 years has been providing you with top brands at competitive prices. Um, Dave Eggers, is, he's working on a new logo. I don't know how many Instagram followers he's got right now, but I know he's clipped 500. Um, and I heard he, he sends out nice prizes uh, if you follow him. So mention the Printavo podcast and receive an extra 10% off your first order. Thanks so much to the team at Multicraft. We use Multicraft on our shop. That's how we get our Monarch Inc. Um, and our Easy Way chemicals. Bruce, Easy Way? Easy Way 701. 842, our Campus Inc.'s favorite EasyWay chemical is to clean dirty screens. EasyWay's line of environmentally friendly chemicals help reclaim, run efficiently. And uh, that's who we're chatting with at Alex to be able to see if he's got some stuff as to when to upgrade your equipment. I think the big thing, though, is that if you value a company to be able to help you grow around how-tos, best practices... Easy way is there to be able to reach out and go. They work with hundred plus distributors all over, but you can reach out and be able to optimize with Easy Way. Thanks, Easy Way. Now, when you're done with your chemicals and you need to work on your art, if you need a solution to improve efficiency and reduce costs in your art department, go to one nine hundred hotstuff.com. If you go to one nine hundred hotstuff.com, you will find some handsome people and free kittens and what you'll find there is Graphic Source. Graphic Source offers industry-leading outsource options for your shop by truly becoming a part of your team. We have two dedicated artists at Campus Inc. Um, they plug and play with Printavo and other shop management software when it comes to SEPs, mockups, creative art, order management, embroidery, digitizing, back office, admin, and customer service. There's no better indus- There's no better company in our industry to work with. They have over 30 years in the game. They really know and understand shop needs and have a proven track record. Hit them up, graphicsource.com. Mention the Printavo pod for 50% off your first vector, SEP, or embroidery order. Sweet. All Let's right, get back cool. to the show. Let's get back. To the show. Okay. So I, I've got a couple things I wanted to be able to share today. Uh, one, um, pivotal moments. So I started writing down a lot of them. I saw you were writing it down a bunch for your business as well. Thought we could riff through this today a little bit different, but maybe these are things that you could start doing early on is, and uh, save time and money and headaches and sleepless nights. Okay. But, but before we jump into that, though, there was a um, quote that I read that I thought was very impactful. Um, I think some quotes are definitely like, wow, this is cool. And you remember it. This is one that I have thought about nonstop for about a week now. Like every single day I told my wife, 
<laughs> I sent it to you. I sent it to other people. Did you tell me first before Crusette? Oh, I'm sure. Um, sorry, sorry, Crusette. <laughs> so, uh, producer Chris, you probably pop something up on the screen. I've got this graphic here, but basically, the quote is this: "It's by a guy named Jersey Gregoric. I'm probably butchering that name, but he's a, a four-time world weightlifting champion." Uh, you know, if you Google his image, he doesn't look like that now, but he, he is, uh, based on his Wikipedia page. But essentially what he said is hard decisions, easy life, easy decisions, hard life. All right. Let that sink in for a second. (laughs) Hard decisions, easy life or easy decisions, hard life. Now, I think this, I think this segues into our, our pivotal moments. This is great. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I just wanted to say that the reason I feel like this hit is because, you know, a lot of times as the owner, you have so many decisions that you can make. If somebody's, you know, not doing so great uh, as a team member, you have the decision to to part ways or to keep trying and, and, and just like leave it alone. If, if a customer is the same, um, you have the decision to, to try one more project with them or to, um, cut it off from there. Like there's these constant decisions as an owner you have to make every single day and you have to pick the easy path or the hard path. And essentially what Jersey is saying is that if you pick the harder decision that is trickier at the time and that sucks and that emotionally is not great and has ups and downs, you make yourself, you, you have an easier life for yourself. All right. So, so Bruce, why did this hit with you? Why did this resonate? Yeah, I think that for me personally, I, I am very, there's two things. Number one, I'm very focused on the thing that I have to do to like the, the boulder I need to push out of the way to be able to move forward. And I don't really care about the rest of the stuff. And so because of that, um, it's like stuff lingers and it builds. It's like lint or something. Like it just keeps building and building because they never like really clean it off. And I'm just focused on like, oh, we got to get this one thing done. The other thing is that um, I'm not like a big fan of direct conversation either about like the hard decision. Like I would rather because it is easier, take that easy decision at the short time, like for short term purposes, it is. But this totally, this was like the personality test that we took where it it flipped it on its head and it really uh, targeted, I felt like me directly. And it, it, it changed the way I was thinking about a lot of different things in that, yeah, you're right. This hard decision is going to suck, but we want an easier life. So I'm going to make the hard decision now and push forward to, to have an easier life. I don't know. Did you remember this quote as much? Or was it that impactful or no for you? Um, not as much as you. And, and this is actually, so I am a shit stirrer. If you were to define me, like I will speak my mind. I might be a little condescending. I might be a little brash, if you will. Um, I'm going to tell you how it feels pretty quick. Um, Maybe, maybe with no regard, and sometimes that's that's a that's a problem of mine. Um, so should yours be flipped? Easier yeah, <laughs> like like take take make some easier decisions, dude. Um, but I think what we've both learned is there's this instant gratification of appeasing. Like when you appease, 
it is an easy decision to appease, to just keep everything good um, because you just don't want anyone to be uncomfortable. And when you, when you, when you do that, right? Like it could also be you trying to get it right. My wife and I were talking about like, what does it mean to like appease? Um, and it sometimes feels safer or easier to do whatever it takes to make someone happy. Um, and, and a lot of times like in someone's mind, if everyone's happy, we're good. Like, Oh yeah, as long as everyone's happy, we're good. You know, if everyone's comfortable, we're good. But that might be easy now and really hard later, I think, is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Rather than, like, rip, ripping Band-Aids off. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, no. a pacifist versus, like, a disruptor, right? Yeah. I, I think that's right. And I think this really correlates with people probably the most. I mean, I remember the first, uh, like, customer service hire we made um, and... You know, for a couple of months, I, I I found out that they missed a few calls, like appointments with customers, um, didn't show up to a few things that they were supposed to do, said they were leaving early to go do something, but didn't actually go do that. And it was like a constant, oh, I'm going to make the easier decision right now and just like, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. But then, you know, I end up doing that for three months, uh, four months before, you know, okay, we have to make the hard decision now versus I need to make the hard decision now. Like this has happened twice. We've had a discussion. Let's, let's make the easier path for the company. You know, there's something that, um, and we were listening to a podcast snippet, um, where this, this inspired us, but there was, um, Tony Shea from Zappos was very famous for doing this and saying, you know, I'll give you the option after your first day of work to quit and I'll pay you for the next month if this isn't going to work. And yeah. I think he would, he said that a lot of like more than like 15 or 20% would take that. Um, and I think what's funny, Bruce is you and I, like when we have to let someone go, you have to like talk to someone before. And sometimes like I'll call you and be like, I, I gotta let this person go. And you're like, <laughs> okay, like, like pep talk, like, you know, you gotta rip the bandit off, you know, it's yeah. better for them. Um, it's it really does feel like those decisions are easier made in a group that's outside the company than it is inside, you know? I mean, it's, it's just such a hard, okay, let, let me, let me put it this way as an entrepreneur. And, and I think this, this relates well into our pivotal moments. Hard decisions are extremely lonely. How does that make you feel? Easy decisions are not lonely. I feel a sense of relief after the hard decisions, whereas the easy decisions, I don't get relief, but it's like the problem goes away for temporary. Uh... But I'm saying leading up to it making a hard decision is sometimes super lonely, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, you're correct. You're correct. And, but, but that's why it's, I think it helps when you bounce it off of other, you know, owners that, but, that, but effective, effectively a hard decision has to be you like Bruce making that hard decision and no one else can make it for you no matter how many people like, yeah, you're tell correct. You what to do. If you were to go back into Printavo like early days, what was the first hard pivotal moment or what was a hard decision that you made that was a pivotal moment for you? Yeah, good point. So, and for some backstory, like, uh, you know, if you listen to the pot, we always tend to try to ask folks, what are the pivotal moments that have helped you grow your business? And it's hard, I think for people to do this on the spot. 
Um, but I tend to like to ask it anyway, because I do think that there, as much of it is a grind every day and it's like three steps backward, you know, four forward at the end of the week. I do think that there are aspects of the business or things that you learn or people that you meet or processes that you implement that do have, uh, maybe not like a one X, but like maybe it's a one and a half or a two X impact on the business as it, as it moves forward and starts to tilt your curve up a little bit faster than it was maybe a year ago. Um, okay. So where should we start? I, I will say that early on for us, I'll do one section first and then, and then you can go and I'm curious in your cool. thoughts of this. So first thing I want to talk about is marketing. Um, and this is interesting because it actually correlates to when we were running, uh, a small shop at at the time. The first aspect is thinking about marketing in a non-common place. And what I mean by that is that most folks think that yes, you got to do the basics. Of course, you know, you need to be on social, you need to, you know, have SEO, you need to do this stuff. But don't forget the non-common places, things like in-person events, things like like meeting people to people, things like going to uh, different types of uh, chamber of commerce or networking events, or 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 asking someone to lunch, or like these sort of non-scalable things, or, that, or non-attributable. Yes, exactly. <laughs> word. Literally, you don't know what the sale is going to bring, but it makes sense that I should be here physically or I should meet this person or they're doing something really interesting. I want to be, I want to let them know that they're doing something interesting just to connect. Bruce, is this on trade shows? The first one really is trade shows. Yeah. So like I was very anti trade shows for a long time. I think, um, you know, as a tech person, it's like this, this, like, why are we standing here? Like, why are we doing this when we could be, uh, putting money into ads or whatever else. And honestly, the handshake, um, person to person combat, the, Building a true relationship, getting food, getting drinks with people creates such a strong bond that it made me realize that the business, when you provide a service, the service that you provide is really probably half the equation, maybe a little bit more, maybe 60% or so. The rest of it is that they like you. Like they enjoy you as, as as an owner or your team or who they work with. And that's where they want to be able to stick with you. Because honestly, there's a lot of other providers out there for everything. That physical in-person touch, whether it's the trade show, whether it's going to take people out, whether it's sending gifts, that kind of stuff, I think was a pivotal moment for us. I I would agree. Um, I think seeing Printavo from, like I get to see a little bit of the inside and I get to see the outside. And you know, when you made that conscious decision to connect to your audience... Now you you literally have a network all across the country of people that are in your in your circle. Um, and I think about it and it's like, what if you decided never to go to another trade show after that? Yeah, you can't build the momentum. Would you have the same loyalty as the company changed? You know, all that stuff. So I I I, I would agree. That's I feel like that was that was huge for you all. Um, so there's two two probably. What do you see on my list that you want me to talk about? <laughs> so you have a note about uh, firing everyone. That's a fun uh, one to start off on. Okay, like COVID, right? Um, or so I put like really reducing the company down to the core and buying out one of our business partners. 
I think that was the biggest pivotal moment at Campus Inc. was learning a partnership that didn't work. That was the hardest decision I had to make, I think. That had like that had been brewing for a while, right? It like it seemed like that wasn't overnight. That was like more of this person isn't aligned with where our vision is going. Correct. Correct. Um, I had two business partners, um, both the same age. Um, one aligned with me very well. One didn't align and clashed with me really hard. And um, it just constantly it made me miserable. And one day I kind of said, like, I'm happy to leave if you'd like or I can buy you out because this isn't going to work and I, I'm not happy whatsoever. And we ended up buying him out. Uh, it took me three and a half, four years to muster up that courage. Um, and the business has not looked back since. It's been on like, it's literally like a, a hot air balloon, like cutting off a rope. And it was just like, wow, we can fly now. Yeah, I think, um, you know, what's interesting is like, uh, and we brought this up on the podcast a couple times, but but essentially if you're rowing a canoe and uh, other people are rowing like in front of it or behind you in the canoe, like at different times or rowing backwards, extremely frustrating, right? Like you could do it for a little bit and you'd be like, all right, I'm just going to muscle through this. Um, and then, and then at some point it's like, I got to throw this person in the water. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, and you, you, the hard decision is to throw them in and cut that off as quickly as possible. But that was probably the most relieving thing of the year is my guess. Yeah. And that was when we were like, you know, smaller. Um, and, and that's where I really learned what, you know, if I could do that with someone that I was actually owning the company with, I can make that hard decision easier with other employees when it's not working out. So, um, yeah, that was probably my first big one. Um, what about you? What's another one? Um, I've got another one called social proof, um, on the marketing end. And I think this ties in with a couple aspects. So, um, for us, especially early on, we said, what are all the niche keywords we need to trend for like top one or two positions in Google to be able to rank? And that was things like, you know, uh, screen printing software, like things like that, that are very relevant towards our industry and who we're targeting as a customer. And I think this is very relevant to shops, right? It could be Cincinnati custom t-shirts, Cincinnati screen printing, whatever it is for your area. Um, Cincinnati group ordering, uh, you know, these types of things. If you write really helpful content and create videos around that, um, and you can hire folks for it, you can hire interns for it, you could do it yourself if you're passionate about it, but those help drive long-term value um, because when you're Googling something and somebody, sh- you, you know, you see that result as the first result, second result, there's a lot of weight that, you know, you think, oh, wow, okay, let me click on this. They, they must know what they're doing. And an extension of that called social proof is the environment that you create for a potential customer when they're looking at the business. So we were always tiny. We were in this small room. I remember Years and years ago, this must have been like six years ago, Ryan Moore came to Chicago and he hit me up and he's like, hey, I'm going to be in the city. Like, you want to grab lunch? I said, sure. And I was like, hey, why don't you come see our office? And it was a closet like this room. It was like... Is it the WeWork? No, no, this was 1871. It was like another... Oh, gosh. Yeah, you were like in the basement of that. It was tiny. I mean, we had to like bump other people and we crammed four or five people in that little room. And he was like, wait. 
he's like, you guys work in here? And, you know, he had thought it was like way bigger and a nice cool office and so on. But we created that environment of we talked about we, we acted bigger, we had positive reviews that showed, you know, on Facebook and Google and all those things, and then helped create the community um, around the the industry that I think really showed social proof of us being larger and more trustworthy um, that, that made people feel comfortable, right? Because people don't want to be the first person in the door. They want to follow up a group in. So I think I think that especially was such a pivotal moment that created a lot of momentum for us and that we still invest in today. Hmm. I can do one on hiring. I can do one on sales. What do you want to hear? Do hiring. Hiring. Paying. No, no, top no. Do sales. Do sales. Sales. Yeah, yeah. Um, going D to C, uh, direct to consumer, selling online, building Shopify's, building online stores, and leaning so hard into it. Um, that literally. I I say this like Campus Inc. would work with 2,000 B2B customers or 150,000 D2C customers. Our reach exponentially grew when we started selling online and we took every customer we took, we we literally like 30 to 40 X'd it. Whether it was a parent, we'd be like, let's do an online store because then our name's going to go to the entire school district. Let's, you know, if, if it's a fraternity, let's not just deal with the president. Let's do an online store so we can get a hundred members that we can have campus Inc on. Um, and we just started it with just simple online stores and then it turned into, okay, let's run 365 Shopify stores. Um, and then let's, let's capture massive audiences. We have over, I think if we look at how many emails we've captured four to 500,000 is in our, wow. is in our, it, yeah. And who um, markets and if, for that? Like, is there I mean, someone responsible for y- y- now we have group? account managers? Like we, you know, let's just say like Sigma Chi. I mean, we're sitting on every piece of data we want and we can manage that for the rest of, you know, literally the rest of our, our careers. Mm-hmm. And so D to C creates such a low barrier for customer acquisition and, customer acquisition is, is everything and you have those for life. You know? Do you rely on those to drive wholesale orders or is it just purely for reorders? hundred percent. Why? So you're like, Hey, we're campusing. This is what we're about. If you, you guys need X, Y, Z, we're here. Literally like, let's just use the soccer team example. Okay. If you build an online store for a soccer team and you get 40 parents to order, you now have 40 more opportunities to place bulk orders if one of those parents is a, you know, works in, a, in an office at the university, they're like, oh, why don't we just do that? Because it's no one's job to order merch. It's a volunteer position. And as a volunteer position, like you're marketing to everyone. You know what I mean? Does yeah. that make sense? That's so that, that, that was our big, that's a big pivotal moment at Campus Inc. I'm switching gears to the management side. I think, um, I think that when I was able to afford real talent and I, and I put real in quotes because it's like, well, what is real? It's like, okay, like a true manager, not, not like there's people that you can take bets on and you can, you can graduate them. So let's say they're a really good contributor and, and you think that they want to take on more responsibility. Well, Maybe they could be like a lead for the team. So they're not necessarily managing it and responsible and you could step away, but um, they're able to uh, uh, 
you know, make a couple different decisions or, or get approval from you when needed. But then a real manager was someone with experience to come help put in best practices and come help take it fully off your plate. When we could really afford that, I think was such a big um, weight lifted off my shoulders that uh, it was such a huge pivotal moment. And then it was from there is trying to repeat that as much as possible. And and that's like a forever game of of doing it for every department. And there's roughly like five departments or so. Um, so super expensive, right? I mean, you're, you know, you're talking heavy payroll, um, but, but getting that off my shoulders and allowing them to, to do their job and hire the team that they need massive. And then, by the way, I don't think this was possible until we were maybe, I, I, I want to say like two or 3 million or so. It, whereas when we had the margin baked in to be able to do it, but I, I think I would have done it by the way earlier and hired less contributors and more like if there was one contributor should have been one manager as the next hire to go forward to, to instead of contributor, 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 you know, and then everybody just reports out. Yeah. I think I like, if I were to look back at our messages, I talked about like how I was like, Oh, campus Inc is such a flat organization and everyone reports up to us and we don't have middle management. When I learned how great middle management was and when you pay top dollar for middle management, yeah, it literally makes your life and your business so much better. Um, it saves you money. It allows you to do less. And I think a pivotal moment for me was starting to hire, you know, even like the first full-time employees we hired to manage students so that I didn't have to manage them anymore. That was such a weird thing, but it just like when you create middle management, it allows you to focus on things that you actually should be focusing on. Um, and they're, they're going to be the most expensive hires in your business. They're not going to be hourly employees anymore. And I feel like that's a very steep cliff to look down, you know? Yeah. And I, I just want to add, I feel like this sound, this one sounds super cliche, but like, ask yourself, are they real? Like, is this real or is this like sort of like a pseudo manager? Cause I, like, I feel like 80% of the time they're not real. They're, they're like there because, you know, maybe giving them a shot or maybe putting someone up there. But when you have the real one, um, things start really changing. Ooh, yeah, this is good. Um, I think when the light bulb came out that you can make just as much money sending things outside your shop and outside the walls of your facility and taking pride in that, we made a ton more money. And that's through promo products, sublimation, contracting large jobs out. Um, it literally like expanded our business, um, like probably doubled the size of our business by learning how to use um, the elasticity of our industry um, to create better capacity, better balance, those kind of things. So, you know, um, we sub out jobs just as much as we print them in-house when it makes sense, and that just gives us the flexibility to have the opportunity to make more money. Um, does that make sense? A lot of people worry about turnaround time and quality with that. How have you dealt um, with that? This is what I say. Uh, there are better screen printers in the United States than Campus Inc. Way better. <laughs> and some of the contract <laughs> shops out there are way more technical, way more savvy, better at counting in, better at receiving, better at shipping. You obviously have to find them and vet them. Um, but 
yeah, you don't think that you are the best screen printer. Like, oh, because no one else knows how to print. Bullshit. <laughs> you know? Um, I'll send my orders to Brett, Justin, Justin, and they'll probably come out ten times better than we would print them. Just, just knowing so, you know. Justin, okay. maybe not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's 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 cut it out here, and then let's do a part two. This is sweet. All right, we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you guys see in the next ya. episode. Thanks, Prudhousers. Bye. <laughs>